Puppet masters almost surely have a plan This clearly may be something near beyond the realm of man And until you've thoroughly tested every last close trusted view I find the more you think you know, the less you really do That's true, Dr. Sayers Where would we be without THC? Cause we know they're lying to us, just don't know All right, higher side chatters, there are few issues more pressing or more concerning than the full-on alteration of our earthly environment. As we've gone from simple cloud seeding and hands-on mind control to a full-blown grid of absolute technical tyranny, specialized surveillance, and remote management mastery of nearly all aspects of life. We've seen the breadcrumbs and the blueprints laid out for decades with the alphabet agencies and deep corporate collusion never being held accountable as their weaponized wet dream has continued to creep in all around us. Well, folks, few people study and speak out against this campaign with the effectiveness of today's guest, Alana Freeland. Over the years, Alana has been a Rudolf Steiner school pioneer, teacher, and lecturer. She has written for alternative publications, edited the stories of survivors of MKUltra and ritual abuse, and is still ghostwriting books on diverse topics. She's authored the well-respected, fictionalized American history series Sub Rosa America, and in 2014, her deeply researched book Chemtrails, Harp, and the Full-Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth hit the conspiratorial community with a bang. Now she's nearing the completion of the sequel, breaking down the next phase of the plan, entitled Under an Ionized Sky, From Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown, and it's a perfect time to have her here the detailer of dark agendas, the warner of weaponized weather, and a truly dedicated educator of the huddled masses. Alana Freeland, welcome to the higher side. Wow, Greg, what a great introduction. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The only thing I'd correct is that Under an Ionized Sky is done, done, done. I finished it a year ago, and Feral House is now in the process of correcting my errors, and it will be out in January 2018. Right. Congratulations. I know a lot of people are super psyched to have that hit the shelves. I know I am. And it is just really great to have you here. It's been a long time coming. Guests have definitely been bringing up your work for years now. And while we have talked a lot about geoengineering, surveillance, HARP, and these sorts of things over the years, I love the data and evidence-based approach you take with your book and presentations. And I think the term space fence might be new to a lot of listeners, which has been described as a world smart grid enabled by the ionized atmosphere we now breathe. Can you elaborate on that for us and maybe explain how far along the implementation process is for this space fence? I want to ask you a question. Do you think that your listeners are pretty much up on how the weather engineering, which is actually an energy system, works for the ionized sky? Do you think I need to go a little bit into how that works or not? Well, I did plan to backtrack a little bit, but of course, uh, we can start there. I mean, it is obviously a crucial component. It is kind of the first step to the second step of a space fence. Well, it actually is the sine qua non of the space fence, because we had the space fence back in the Reagan, Bush, Cheney years in the 1980s into the early 90s. And then suddenly it was called the Strategic Defense Initiative, the Star Wars program, 
It had a space fence. It was across the sort of southern Midwest, like a necklace across the nation of radar installations. But it was tabled under Clinton. And I think he renamed it the Ballistic Missile Defense System. And then they tabled it because they did not have the ionized sky they needed in order to implement the Star Wars program to the degree they wanted to implement it. So it it sort of went black for all those years while they were working on Bernard Eastland's HARP patents. And that would have been his earliest patent was 1987. In Chapter 2 of Chemtrails HARP, I deconstruct his patent in order to show how you can find within it the necessity for chemical trails, for nanoparticulates to be in the atmosphere in order to use radio frequency and microwave to keep the lower atmosphere ionized as HARP was able to trigger the ionosphere to bring a lot of that down, to pop off those electrons way up there bring it down to our atmosphere, and then they needed to have a system down here by which they could keep it activated, keep an ionized, battery-ready, antenna-like, electrified atmosphere for all of their military intelligence needs. And that's, they call it C4, Command, Control, Communications, and Cyber Warfare. And that has to do with why I entitled the first book with the doctrine of full-spectrum dominance in the title. This full-spectrum dominance is served by C4 operations, and it absolutely requires that the atmosphere be electrified and ready 24-7 for any military operation that has to do with communications, It has to do with cyber warfare, EMPs, even mind control of various citizens or entire populations. I mean, this is so big, Greg. When I first got into this topic at the invitation of Adam Parfrey at Farrell House, I had been friends for five years with Clifford Carnicum because I lived in Santa Fe, as did Clifford then. And we would go out to breakfast and we would talk over these things because I had a biology background and I was very interested in the Morgellons that he was at that time analyzing on a shoestring budget. So Clifford had gotten me interested in the biology of the whole thing, especially after I looked over his shoulder under a 300 power microscope and saw in my blood, a blood sample I'd given him. I saw the Morgellons, or as he's renamed it, the cross-domain bacteria, which, by the way, is much more exact. I saw them eating the iron out of my erythrocytes, and that definitely got my attention. So when I started the Chemtrails book, I had two files. I had the Chemtrails file, and I had the HARP file, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project, Gakona, Alaska. I'd read Nick Begich's book, Angels Don't Play This Harp. I was full on thinking they were separate, but they are not separate at all. And now I'm, what, five, six years down the road from then, and I now realize how far this is going to go, which I tried to spell out in the Space Fence book 
that tried to give a picture of a global system. You know, we've talked, we in the chemtrails movement, the so-called cutting edge, we've shared many emails and phone conversations about how it's structured. Who's running it? Is it just the jet fuel? Are there supplementary systems on the jets? Blah, blah, blah. And now I'm so far beyond that as I have delved deeper and deeper into the national security state and its desire to have full spectrum dominance and realize that it doesn't just mean that they want to weaponize the entire planet and the entire culture and run it with false flags and fear mongering and illness to spill over in the coffers of big pharma and medical industry, etc. It isn't just that aspect, nor is it just full spectrum dominance of the electromagnetic spectrum, which goes, you know, all the way from radio waves to gamma waves. And it's more than that. And what really has sort of resolved it for me is the 5G rollout that's happening. And I do cover 5G in the Space Fence book. And I will cover it again in the next book I'm writing, which I hope will be the final in this series. And that is a book on synthetic biology. So I'll be back in sort of my field. And I'll be able to now have behind me a panoply of how this global system is going to do a full-on lockdown, right down, believe it or not, to the DNA level. I'm sorry to be always the bearer of bad news, but I feel, and I'm committed to, the idea that the better you understand your enemy and the more you understand what their objectives are, the more you can defend yourself You can have a quality of life, which is still excellent, even in the maws of a monster, a psychopathic wet dream, as you said so nicely Mm -hmm. (laughs) in your introduction, the wet dream of power that we're experiencing now in this crossover era that we've chosen to live in. We can be more powerful because scientia est potentia. Knowledge is power. And our enemy knows this. At the very highest rungs of global elite power, they are esotericists, they are occultists, they understand how knowledge is power and that secrets avail them of a knowledge that the masses have been denied for centuries. And so, you know, as I get bolder and bolder, not because I'm particularly changing inside, but because I have more knowledge of how this system works, and I understand what the ultimate objectives are, I'm attempting to prepare people for their own individual choices that they're going to have to make. This is not anymore the America of 50 years ago. We are so far beyond that, and it is unfortunate that populations, even as steeped in communications technology as we are, it's unfortunate that populations generally take half a century to a century in order to catch up with what their masters have known and have been promulgating and developing all that time with no knowledge on the part of the people that will be subject to it. And so I don't feel depressed. I don't feel, I don't feel much of anything except sort of onward 
and to encourage people, give them courage to face an era which has entered a space age very quietly, not at all as President Kennedy thought it would be, and that we are now going to have to really look at technology beyond the physics or chemistry that we took in high school. We're going to have to dig in, and many people on Facebook have impressed me beyond belief. They are researching, they are weighing ideas, they are taking opinions like mine and other people's and testing them out and seeing how far they go. I mean, in a way, Greg, for better or worse, and I'm sure it's both, the internet is now our university because I truthfully cannot think, even Harvey Mudd, I cannot think of one place that a person could go to study this technology that is breaking in the news every day and be told the truth. I mean, our science has changed. We're now in quantum science, whereas some of the universities are still teaching Newtonian, Einsteinian. This technology is far beyond that. And I don't pretend to be an expert. I think my claim to fame is only that I have the kind of mind and the background and education by which I can contextualize a bigger picture than our fear wants us to remain in. And that's what I attempt to do. I have no problem admitting that I make errors and that I don't understand some of the science as much as I could if I had a degree in it. But somebody needs to speak out. Somebody needs to write about this era. And, and that's how I see these books. I, I know people don't read anymore. They're, hmm. they're conditioned to read sound bites. They're conditioned to read a couple articles and think they know something. So I'm writing the books. Number one, I'm from the generation that believed in books, maybe the last generation that believed in books. <laughs> and number two, I want to speak to those who will come after me, to those who will wake up one day and maybe 20, 50 years and say, what the hell happened back then? What were people doing when this space age took over planet Earth? When planet Earth became a subjunct of a greater solar system vision and the domination, the fascist corporate domination of planet Earth was put into place with nary a whimper on the part of America, the nation which purportedly was to be the nation of freedom, the nation of democracy. How exactly did they do this? Well, I cover that part of the story in my Sub Rosa America series how it was done, how we were put to sleep, how we're, we've been mind-controlled through our technology. But then came Bernard Eastland's patents and the HARP experiments that were very fruitful and that gave them the keys to the kingdom as to how they could turn our atmosphere into an antenna, a battery, an electrical system that would be available to them always, and in which they could run experiments for new energies, such as plasma. There is so much going on in our atmosphere. And meanwhile, there's a lid on it. But as you may have noticed recently, in January, as soon as the inauguration was over, the mainstream media began 
normalizing geoengineering. You know, we've been under it for two decades minimum. Certainly, weather itself has been sought after for many more years than that. But it was in the late 90s that Clifford Carnicum in northern New Mexico began contemplating what was going on in those beautiful azure skies of New Mexico. And he, with a HEPA filter and other very low-tech devices, began collecting data after there'd be these huge chemical sweeps across the sky. And he began analyzing them. And that's been two decades now. And everything that he discovered is true. And we're still in touch. I was there for a week this summer in his lab going over a lot of samples that people had been sending in of what they were getting out of their bodies. And now he has isolated the DNA of the cross-domain bacteria and is pursuing that. So I can go through how the space fence is set up. I mean, it's it's so commonplace. It, it's around us all the time. And most interesting is it's, I'm sure it's it's AI run. Ever since the Jade Helm drama in the Southwest in the 2015, mm. when I read the excellent work of Level 9 News about that, and she explained thoroughly how that was an AI test that was run by the military. I've been interested in how pervasive AI is, just as the components of the space fence on the ground level anyway are pervasive as well. I mean, they're everywhere. Once you know that they're there, then you can see them. And maybe then we can begin to perceive what the changes are that we go through because we're so vulnerable to electromagnetic pulsing. We're vulnerable to frequencies, our emotions. Every emotion we have uh, has a frequency, has its own frequency. And these frequencies used to be in the hands of very few technocrats. But now I heard they're still being sold and bartered and bestowed on a sort of black market of control, particularly of targeted individuals. But every part of us has a frequency. The liver has its frequency. And, and we are resonant beings. We are uh, what Dr. Robert O. Becker, in his fantastic book, The Body Electric, he calls it cyclotronic resonance. Interestingly, when I read the patent, the 1987 patent, for harp by Eastland, he has a whole section in there about cyclotron resonance. And this is where that rumor came that harp is connected to mind control. And Nick Begich has gone much further with that than in the days when I used to go to hear him speak in the late 90s and early 2000s. So if you want, and I, I need to hear from you, I can go through just very, very briefly how the space fence is set up and what the disinformation cover story is regarding the space fence, which, by the way, is in control of Lockheed Martin, the number one defense contractor in the United States. Right. Yes, please do, because it is so hard to separate truth from fiction these days. It's great that we have the internet because it does allow us to research so much, but it's a double-edged sword because it's also flooded with misinformation. So 
Yeah, please uh, tell us the steps of how the space fence was set up and where the truth lies with it. Well, what I try to do in the space fence book that's coming out in January is with the help of Billy Hayes, the harp man who worked for a three-letter agency that will remain nameless through its defense contractors his entire life since he was eight years old, because he too was a victim of MKUltra, which I, by the way, spent years studying. Billy was the tower erector, and he was in charge of the team that built HARP, for example. So he's climbed up over 240 tower systems in the world for the U.S., and he, of course, has tumors. His body is riddled with tumors, and he is extremely sensitive to when these systems if they're near his house in Kansas, are fired up, he will go into grand mal seizures. So he's paid the price, more than paid the price for the work he did. But he knows a lot, and his programming was primarily in electromagnetics. He's like an encyclopedia for many of the technologies up until recently, of course. And so Billy helped me. He guided me through the Space Fence book every time I had a mass of questions to understand the technology. Because as you can imagine, Greg, if I can't picture it, I can't write it. So I needed to picture everything in order to be able to write it. So I, while I'm studying on the one hand, I'm sticking my nose into plasma physics books. I'm studying patents. I'm studying military papers that are all in open source, by the way. They're very arrogant about knowing that no one reads and no one can understand what they're reading because the education is so poor in this country, other than, of course, the private schools and the tutors that the very wealthy can afford. I was able to sketch it out and fill it in over the two years it took to write the book. And the most interesting thing, I mean, we live in an electromagnetic environment. I, when I lived in Santa Fe, we tried to stop. A, a group of us under Arthur Furstenberg tried to stop the Wi-Fiing of downtown Santa Fe. This was when we had the ridiculous idea that possibly one could do that legally with public pressure. Well, that certainly didn't happen. So everywhere I go, where I live, it's Wi-Fi. I wear a diode as a partial protector to break the Wi-Fi fields that I'm subject to, no matter where I am. The hotspots I go through, which are not clearly marked at all, you'll just sort of feel it, maybe feel something, a pain in your head, or feel slightly nauseous when you pass through them. The entire electromagnetization, what a word, of America has happened openly and yet extremely covertly. Because this is not ionized radiation, which would be like nuclear bombs, nuclear radiation zones with the clearly marked red thing, and because it's non-ionized radiation, which doesn't produce extreme heat and extreme breakdown of tissues and body parts immediately, They've been able to slip this through and convince people, even though it's at a military level, which just about everything in America is, as far as like, you know, what the public can put up with, what 
what health standards are. So we find ourselves immersed in it now. In our homes, we have the 60 hertz wiring. We have our internet. We have the router. Most people have cell phones. I refuse to own one. I have my landline here. It's got a small field around it, I'm sure, that I can't see. There's my printer. We're immersed in an electromagnetic era. This has been done purposefully. Let's see now. We were given the Internet from the military in the 90s. The military had it for oh, at least 30 to 40 years before that. And then gradually we were given the cell phone, which the military also had for over half a century. And it's gone from there. So with the cell phone, there was a huge thrust that was able to happen. They had the TVs before the computer. So the TVs also have a field around them. And as you know, in the fantastic book in 1977 that came out, Jerry Manders' Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television, which I used to give talks on when I lived in Seattle, he goes deeply into the quality of light from the work of Dr. John Ott, that when you're watching TV, which, by the way, I've never owned one, your eyes, what you're seeing and what's being shot into your retina at, in the televisions of that day goes straight into the optic nerve and goes straight to the brain. So this technology has a real bite to it. But because it's pleasing because it's informative, especially now with the cell phones which are and the iPhones, which are basically your own TV, your own transmitter and receiver. It's an encyclopedia. It's a dictionary. Uh, you can find out what the weather is. You don't even have to look up. You can go on iPhone and it'll tell you. This convenience and comfort combo has given the keys of the kingdom to the military-industrial intelligence complex. These are all non-ionizing radiation implements, but the thing with non-ionizing is that it works over time. And of course, in America, everybody seems to think they're gonna live forever and, and that pleasure is their birthright and they should be able to have their personal life unfettered by political nonsense, as they call it. So I've watched it happen. I was a 60s radical of sorts, not like a weatherman or a Black Panther, but I was extremely alert. And I was always writing for a college paper in the four universities I went to during the 60s and 70s. So I was very aware at that time that there was a huge political problem. I'd watched three assassinations of our heroes. I was watching our rock stars murdered night and day. My generation was a target of the COINTEL programs where the Operation Chaos CIA worked with the FBI. We were targeted mercilessly because I felt we were the largest generation in history Time and Newsweek and a magazine like to see us as sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and that's it. But we were the most highly politicized generation probably in history until the bad drugs came to the streets. Drugs were everywhere. Hey, you know, get high, get stoned, don't think, just chill out. And now I'm watching the same thing happen again. So this idea that 
a technocracy has been put in place seamlessly and taken the place of the Constitution, of the Bill of Rights, the greatest document probably in the world. It's all been done very painstakingly, very methodically, very quietly, where people have been taken advantage of, I feel, is you don't need the hammer and sickle of the Soviet system to pummel the American. All you need is convenience and pleasure. And then Americans will just sort of just sort of dream their way through life mm. and expect people like me, I suppose, who have never forgotten what was done in the 60s and 70s to this nation. I've never forgotten the assassination of John F. Kennedy and what it has done to this nation. They expect that someone's going to take care of it, someone somewhere. But we, you and I both know that in things as, as subtle and sensitive as democracy or people's consciousness, leadership, so that people are learning from leaders instead of just being used by leaders. This all takes attention. One has to guard the gates. And the gates have not been guarded, obviously. So that's why I've dug in so deep and sort of made a map. I, I, I remember I'd, I'd sit around and think it out again as soon as I added a new element of the space fence on, on the ground. So what I've got is cell towers, very important. Gwen towers, uh, ground wave emergency network towers have been recalibrated. They were at one time only military frequencies and military use, but now they have a thing called dual use. And that includes our cell towers, includes our Gwen towers, includes every technology I'm going to name. And what dual use means is the military can use it and the civilians can use it. And the military gets to decide who uses it when. Hmm. That includes our computers. That includes our cell phones. All the cell phones have their own signature. They're all compromised, as you know. Edward Snowden tried to give us a tiny peek into what's going on. Many of us already knew what he said, but I think that by putting him out there then, and I do believe he was put out there. I don't believe he escaped and all that, that sort of story. Agreed. I believe he was put out there to speak because they now wanted to see how far the reaction would go. We'd already had 50 years of programming and conditioning, and then we'd had 10 years of cell phones, 20 years of computers, 50 years of TV. They wanted to see how it would go once we knew that, yeah, the NSA is in all your business and documenting everything you say. We'd already gone through the Patriot Act of 2001, wherein we're told that, oh yeah, terrorist, we get to define what terrorist means, because as you know, a terrorist has many faces and can disguise itself as many things. So we get to decide ex post facto, if someone's a terrorist, what acts comprised the terrorism they committed, etc. So we'd already let that go in a heartbeat. No discussion, really. And then in 2002, nanotechnology was trotted out. Trillions and trillions of sensors were dropped from the stratosphere. 
many of which have come down and they're all on a nano scale. So we've all breathed them in. They're in our bodies. They're in our brains. At the same time, they're doing the chemical trails. We're breathing in nano particles of conductive metals. We're talking aluminum, barium, strontium, lithium, titanium, and no discussion, no discussion. It's all, it's all conspiracy theory, of course. We're breathing in the sensors, which are called MEMS, GEMS, and NEMS, NEMS being the nanoscale sensors. They're in our bodies. We're breathing in the Morgellons, biologicals, which have been genetically engineered in labs, and they're also on a nanoscale, so that those scientists like Clifford Carnicum, who want to examine the electro-optical nature of these tiny, tiny sensors like MEMS and GEMS and NEMS cannot do so without extremely expensive equipment. I mean, an electrospectroscope costs $50,000 used. So you keep it high tech, you keep it small, you keep it invisible, and you have the keys to the kingdom. Beyond our cell towers and Gwen towers, we have, I'm looking out at power lines right now. I'm looking at transformers on the telephone poles. We have phased array antennas like HARP. Yeah, these big installations, radar installations, NEXRADs, which are those big golf ball looking things. We have the XBSs, which are SBX, which is the huge ionosphere heater golf ball looking thing that is now mobile and can be set up overnight on an oil rig and towed wherever it's needed, such as when Fukushima happened, there was one off of, of the coast there. We have wind farms that we've sold the public as being green energy that are a part of this system because they are being pulsed. They have frequencies that they respond to. Nothing living will ever be found where a wind farm is. All people who live around wind farms get sick. We have the hydraulic mm. fracking, the fracture, the new way of gouging oil out of the earth. All the fracking, they have chemicals injected into them, chemicals that in their signature are identical to what is being sprayed and what we are breathing from the sky. All of these things are on land. Anything electromagnetic, anything that creates an electromagnetic field is part of the space fence because the space fence is run by AI, artificial intelligence, and the AI determines what the pulsing is, the CPS, the hertz, whatever you want to call it, how the frequencies are stacked on a pulse, and how that is then pulsed into various geographic areas for various military intelligence purposes. And what this means is our bodies, we're like antennas too, because part of us, the way I look at it is half of us is electromagnetic and half of us is etheric. Now that's a term that isn't used anymore. It used to be used by scientists, including Einstein, up until about the 1920s or 1930s. At that time, a very bogus experiment took place to convince scientists that there was no ether, that it had been some confabulated term 
uh, of the 19th century and that now we're smarter and we know more. And so we're going to use other terms. Right. Michelson Morley. But ether is a very ancient term. I don't know how ancient the term is, but it's it's for the substance of the universe. Now we're saying that plasma, which is not the same plasma as in your body, of course, but the plasma in space, all things are made of plasma. If you go back far enough, and I'm not a proponent of the Big Bang Theory, so to me, I would go back, 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 back to when all things were plasma. 99% of the universe is plasma. And that plasma is, is a gas and a substance at the same time. And it is, is, uh, it responds extremely to heat. So with plasma, we can imagine that the planet began in heat and that the plasma was able to develop along with some sort of particulates slowly forming within it. And then everything gets going. So this is the plasma. When I use the word plasma, which I do a lot, this is the plasma I'm talking about. Our bodies have plasma, are, are made of plasma. Our environment has plasma in it. And in that plasma is ether. And ether is life. Whereas electromagnetism, as, as many as of the cool things it gives us, is death and ill health. And so because this this precept has been hidden from us and is probably hidden from scientists who have had regular exoteric educations, those who know that this antithesis exists, they are able to use that against us, against life. Do I believe that this is what they're after, that they are against life? Yes, I do. I remember when Eric Fromm, the famous psychoanalyst, said that there are two kinds of people. There are the people who, who love life and the people who hate life, the people who create life, the people who destroy life. And right now, we're in a period, thanks to the National Security Act of 1947, in which there are only partial truths available to scientists who probably have good intents, probably feel they're being patriotic, whatever. Maybe some of them have already had a visit and have been warned to not speak out that their safety and the safety of their families is involved. Whatever the reason, they are unable to understand and grasp that this way of the National Security Act, the need-to-know basis, and the compartmentalized information. These two things really make their science a lie. They are working for money because now the purse strings of almost every university in the probably world is tied to military. This is so important that we are moving into a fascist military technocracy, control, not looking like the fascism of World War II, where you have this Italian megalomaniac, you have this German megalomaniac. This is not how it looks now. It looks smart. It looks cool. It's fantastic technology. The turnout 
is daily of more and more convenience items, more and more fun games, cool cars, on and on and on. This this way of keeping people distracted while you're controlling their future and the future of their children. This to me is what the space fence is really ultimately about. It wants control over every living thing. Now, especially because they have the genetics by which they can recreate the dinosaurs or recreate the trees, the forests that are dying in drought-ridden California. They have the keys to the kingdom and they now want a different human being. This vulnerable uh, human being that has the audacity to think it deserves its own free will has to go, Mm. just has to go. (laughs) No room in a full spectrum dominance world for that kind of nonsense. Certainly the elites know something and many people who are not in the elite class underestimate the control that elites themselves are under. They certainly raise their children very differently and they bear the burden from birth of running masses of money, corporations, properties, people. And so they are conditioned from day one to take the reins of power and expand them, multiply them. And so that that is not freedom. I don't care how many cool things they are able to buy and that they can fly off to an opera in Vienna at the drop of a pin. That is not what freedom is anyway. Real freedom is the ability to do what you want for the good on your own terms. And and they don't have that. And now we are not going to have that in our tiny little lives that we live out here in the world. For me, the key of AI, which I've been going over that because I've been preparing a uh, webinar presentation for a group calling themselves Out of Control. It's sponsored by investment analyst Catherine Austin Fitz. They've handpicked a couple dozen people to talk about various subjects, and mine is chemical electromagnetic. So I've been going over the AI drama that happened recently, and this is where you might have something to contribute because you have such an interesting show and interesting (laughs) people. When we saw that photo in the New York Times, I believe it was on the front page, of President Trump meeting, uh, having his hands on the crystal ball with the, the president of Egypt and the king of Saudi Arabia. That happened, I think, in October when they were at a futures conference of some sort in Radia. I don't know how to say that. So I was looking at that, and that was the, the conference at which they announced that Sophia, the humanoid robot, was now a citizen, had been granted citizenship in Saudi Arabia. Mm. And that was on, I just learned that was on September 23. And I was thinking about that, and I was listening to a tape of, I can't remember Quinn's last name, but he is an IT guy. He designs systems like that. And he was talking about how AI is now in charge. And 
Certainly, we are all familiar with artificial intelligence systems. We see them at the airport. We see them at cash registers. No one can add anymore because the AI systems are racking up our bill. And so we're familiar with them in a separate way. But what if that's true? What if Sophia or something like her is now in a Jade Helm way? running the space fence. And and I've been constantly looking at the space fences uh, because I haven't talked yet about what's in near-Earth orbit. Of course, satellites are involved in the space fence. The ISS, the International Space Station, is involved in the space fence system. What if now it's up and running and the Kwajalein Atoll installation is done, Lockheed Martin is still in charge of the space fence, And it's all being AI run now. What difference will that make for us here living our lives on planet Earth? And what I always come back to is, I don't know, it just it's like a a dog coming when I call it in a way without knowing what I'm calling (laughs) is the 5G. In a way, the 5G, which is going up in, in little boxes, little antennas in neighborhoods and in rural areas. All around the world. I mean, if you saw that Tom Wheeler YouTube, you know, he's the FCC chairman and how he was selling it adamantly as being something that will draw everyone, everyone on planet Earth into the fold. I just wonder if the 5G is not the final key to getting really deep down into our full spectrum dominance down into our genetic level. Now, I know 5G is millimeter waves, and millimeter waves are between microwaves and infrared. They are out of our visual range. They are able to penetrate the covering of our DNA. They are at 30 to 300 gigahertz. They are not nanometers. They are not a nanoscale, but that doesn't really matter. The smaller the wave, the greater the power. We're not looking for wattage here. We're looking for cyclotron resonance. And I believe that I'm going to say in the synthetic biology book, I am going to say that the 5G is the very means by which they will be able to penetrate us right down to the DNA level. This, of course, leads us to what they're all driving us toward, which is transhumanism. This fellow Quinn was saying that Sophia is the representative of what we all may be someday. Yes, she's been completely built from what I was looking at her very closely to see if she was actually a human who had been completely re-engineered. And I don't believe so. I believe she is actually a silicon vessel of some sort. Mm -hmm. And he brought up Palantir, which is a very important name to know. Palantir is a big data corporation. And all of our major agencies in the United States, other than, uh, Quinn said, the U.S. Army, 
everybody else, Navy, Air Force, Google, Facebook, every agency, NSA, CIA, DIA, are all on the Palantir bandwagon. And I would add, they all have D-Wave computers. And the D-Wave is, I learned about it from Anthony Patch, who is sort of my go-to guy for CERN, information on particle accelerators. Mm -hmm. And according to Anthony, the D-Wave computer pretty much runs CERN now. So that's a done deal. And what does it mean? What does it mean to have an adiabatic quantum computer running CERN? Well, to me, for the space fence, it matters what relationship D-Wave, because I'm now going to have to look at it as an entity. You understand that, right? Right, right. It's a machine, but it's an entity, and it has consciousness. It has modeled on human consciousness, but I don't know how long that will last. Is the D-Wave computer working in tandem with Palantir? Are they working in tandem with all of their progeny that are serving all of our agencies? Mm. If they are working in tandem with them, if the consciousness is being raised of all of them just because one of them in the hive mind has raised its consciousness, then what does that spell for us? Right. And this will be, to me, exactly what, if you boil down the space fence beyond all of its parts, all of its electromagnetic parts that can be pulsed and have frequencies stacked on the pulses for a variety of missions, projects, drills, everything else. Boil it down, and they're all run by AI. Well, then, you have been able to turn this planet into a machine. Absolutely. That I think Ray Kurzweil, Mr. Singularity, head of the Singularity University, which is basically on the same campus as Facebook and Google, by the way, what he calls the singularity and says that one day we will be living virtual lives and we will not even know we're living virtual lives. Mm -hmm. Like I'm looking at a, a tree outside which has lost its leaves. Am I looking at a tree that has lost its leaves? <laughs> or code. To what degree... Will AI be able to penetrate and control my consciousness where I have worked so diligently to be conscious and to remain conscious, doing no drugs, eating only organic all these years so that I could fight to the very end for life on Earth, for a human future, a real human future? where humans can make their own errors in their desire for free will and, and even decide to waste a life. I want everyone to have that right and to have the least governance possible. And yet, look at the era I'm living in. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about that, about the AI piece of the space fence. and. If I were to give you a picture of the space fence, I don't know if you saw the cover of my upcoming book, I but have. what I did is I had an artist friend put a ring around planet Earth, like a Saturn ring. 
And that, according to Billy Hayes, the harp man, is exactly what's being done high above us. Because one of the key components, not just the jets that are spewing the nanoparticles that we're breathing, but the sounding rockets that are going off at wallops on the East Coast, Vandenberg at the West Coast, and everything in between, every other uh, launch pad in between, including private, all of these sounding rockets going into the stratosphere are spewing the same chemical signature, the same chemical brew that is in the fracking wells, is below the wind farms, is being spewed from the jets. It's the same components. And those, when they get up into the stratosphere, what happens is those particulates, the ones that didn't fall on the earth for us to breathe, they will then begin to rotate with the earth, spinning around, and eventually settle around the equator in a ring. And I asked Billy one day when we were talking on Skype, so what is that ring? It isn't that they just want to look like Saturn. I said, it's got to be highly conductive. So it's got to serve communications and C4 and full spectrum dominance on the Earth. Yes, said Billy, but I think you need to think of it as a CD-ROM. It's a CD. He said, what if they're going to record all of our memories in it? And I thought about that. And I thought about what happened with Saturn. We had a vessel up there for several years and have now purportedly destroyed it. But why are those rings around Saturn? When did that happen? And at that point, I called Anthony Patch. And he told me about the Saturnalian Brotherhood. Right. I already knew about the Saturnalian Brotherhood, but I'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I hadn't connected it to the Saturnizing of the world, of the globe. If it was true that at one time our planetary configuration in our solar system was quite different and that Saturn was not where it is now, but was actually pretty much where we are now, then is there a Saturnalian brotherhood at NASA? And if I were to choose where, I would choose NASA because NASA was founded by by Werner von Braun a very serious SS Nazi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do they want to just turn us into Saturn in some way? Or, or is this for perhaps communications, this ring, this CD-ROM around our planet? Is it for communication with when they go into the solar system, when they find a way to get beyond the Van Allen belts without lead-lined suits? Hmm. Are they going to create a transhumanist who will not flinch under ionized radiation, but will be able to just breeze through those Van Allen belts? Right. Or are they just going to send an AI? My guess is the latter. My guess is they want an AI world Mm -hmm. and that the space fence lockdown on all living creatures with consciousness of these superior AIs who will be able to take full-spectrum dominance into the solar system. 
Why not? But the first step, as you can imagine, is domination of planet Earth. That appears to me what is going on now. Right. Man, it's just a lot. And your term full spectrum dominance really does nail it. Though the whole thing is so complex, it's hard to hit everything. Is there a thread as we're winding down that we might have neglected that you think is important for people to hear? Do we hit all the major points? I just want to repeat that, you know, people feel overwhelmed once they start to learn. And that's that's a natural feeling. But we don't need to use fear. We're still living our lives, most of us. I mean, there are people who have real targeted individual fear. Mm. And there I can, I can imagine that it's a challenge to get hold of it and live a life no matter what. But I recommend to people that they really think about their lifestyle and really look at their immune system. The immune system has to be protected now because it's it's under massive assault and heavy metal purges you know whatever helps your body and it isn't going to be the great white doctor it's not <laughs> going to be there i haven't been to a doctor since i was 13 i don't do doctors and i'm not a christian scientist i'm with you i'm with you definitely better to avoid them man a lot of fascinating stuff you do great work and this seems to be one of the most important areas to keep an eye on before we do go, can you remind the people where they can follow up on you regularly and anything else you got going on? I know the book's coming out in just a couple short months. Yes. Please keep an eye out for the webinar that I'm going to be doing this afternoon in a group called Out of Control. It's out of Europe. Catherine Austin Fitz, the investment analyst, is behind it. And we're trying to hit a major topics. I mean, it's, I'm doing the chemical electromagnetic, but there are people doing other, other things and it will be very, very good and be up on the net. I don't know when next few months. And then I do a Facebook site, closed Facebook site. You have to ask to join. And that is uh, Ilana Freeland, Chemtrails Harp and the Full Spectrum. Facebook is the town square of our day for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure it's both. You know, it's not perfect, but it is where I try to keep that site up and running with lots of learning about this issue and the tangential issues that follow from it. And then I have a site that uh, a wonderful woman in Florida is working on for me for free, bless her heart. And that is ilanafreeland.com. And that's where you can contact me through an email if you so need to. And that's about it until the book comes out, Under an Ionized Sky from Chemtrails to Space Fans Lockdown, coming out in January 2018. You can go on Amazon now and pre-order, and that's it. Awesome. Well, I really loved this, and I'm definitely looking forward to that book coming out. Hopefully, we can talk again sometime. If not, when this one comes out, definitely when you release the one on Synthetic Life, because it just gets crazier and crazier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Greg, thank you for doing what you do. You're you're a disseminator. Super, super important. Uh, thanks. I just asked the questions, but the work you do, it, it's tough to do. I couldn't do it. Uh, well, dark times indeed, but thanks so much, and do take care of yourself out there. I will. All right. Okay, blessings. Bye-bye. See you later. Sweet shape of water, people. Alana Freeland. Alana Freeland, ladies and gentlemen. Another great guest that I think really knows her stuff, and it's really the major slice of the conspiracy pie that I've been stuck on recently. 
just the whole 5G electromagnetic radiation thing in conjunction with geoengineering. It just seems like the main course on the Arconic menu these days. And it sort of feels like we're in an age of extreme coordination between the compartmentalized pieces of the puzzle. Obviously, different elements and corporations work on different sectors, but it's getting easier to see how they fit together as opposed to maybe 10 years ago. From, you know, big pharma and vaccines to agriculture and geoengineering to Google, Amazon and Facebook even. If you go back 10 years, maybe even just five, I felt like all these circling locusts had a much wider arc in their spiral, but it is definitely tightening because the worst of the worst things that these companies at the top of these sectors are doing just seem way more synergistic. It's actually quite heart rate increasing for me because this synergy becomes confirmation of most of the major concerns coming from the conspiracy world over the years. It's no coincidence that everything seems to be pointed the same direction while everyone is looking somewhere else, I might add. I, I know I fall into these traps too sometimes, but we have to stop being led around by the nose and thinking we're smart just because we have an opinion on what they put in front of us. It's like everything you can pay attention to in the mainstream is an op. God, I hate even saying that, but it is fucking true. Talk to anybody who thinks they've got an opinion on the issues at Thanksgiving dinner or flip on the TV, and what are they talking about? Still, Russian collusion, and now Hollywood sex crimes, you know, who touched two in 1982? And if you're on the internet, it's overwhelmingly net neutrality lately. Just those three things. I mean, I think most of my favorite guests and me have been on the same page that Hillary was threatening Russia way before the election, and a certain faction has been trying to force that round peg in the square hole ever since with the help of the media. And I just don't think there's much of a story there, or there would have been one already. And yet it's probably still the number one thing regular folks and friends seem to be talking about. Everybody's got an opinion on Russian collusion based on third, fourth, or fifth-hand information, things they saw on TV. Everyone is citing this random fact and that random fact. Like, it isn't all just tainted information from completely unreliable sources. Mostly manipulative. And if you know anything about the Uranium One deal, that is way more sketchy. Again, who knows what to believe, but if you've seen or read Clinton Cash, there's plenty of reason to suspect that the Clintons got a good deal of coincidental personal gain from a Russian company buying a smaller company that produced most of, or maybe even all, of the U.S. domestic uranium that she would have approved as Secretary of State. Other people had to sign off on it too. I'm sure she could get the deal done, but Bill Clinton was apparently meeting with Putin the week beforehand. Then the Clintons made some expensive million-dollar speeches afterwards, got some extra Clinton Foundation donations. You know the drill. And I don't even give a fuck about Hillary Clinton, and I'm breaking my own rule to stop talking about her because she still monopolizes way too much attention. But I'm only saying... Watch Clinton Cash and then think about how silly it is to launch a campaign about Russian collusion if you're selling off production of our domestic uranium to that very same country. Honestly, at that level, I think it's dumb to even huff and puff about any international collusion because they are all doing it. Trump makes personal deals with Saudi Arabia and Russia and all these countries we might not like, and so do the Clintons. We're just talking about the international elite. International. These people have so many twisted up connections, just fuck them all. 
why even nitpick at this point? <laughs> but man, did I get distracted. Anyway, I'm just trying to say there are a few isolated threads that seem to be taking up 90% of the collective attention, and I think they're mostly bullshit. They gotta be. Net neutrality was the other one. Apparently, we still have net neutrality, yet people like Crow are having their channels removed from YouTube. I was given a lengthy Twitter timeout directly in the middle of a drunken rant about Hillary during the campaign when she had those people working the gears of Twitter. I've also been removed from AdSense. That happened forever ago. And Google admitted to changing their search algorithm to downplay conspiracy. Facebook's doing that too. Amazon bought Whole Foods. Speaking of Amazon, Gordon sent me a link to their new VR division, and guess what it's called? Amazon Sumerian. <laughs> yeah, flows right off the tongue, doesn't it? Not awkward at all. Also not surprised, but the point is, what net neutrality? Sure, it might be a power transfer situation for the nefarious ISPs. Sure, they care about it. But what are you protesting to protect? The deep state's highly successful surveillance and data collection experiment? It's already fucking broken. We already lost that fight. It's like they ran the football all the way down to the one yard line. And now we're going to start offering a little resistance? Like, oh, sure. Change your icon. Call your congressman. Monkey see, monkey do. The internet is killing us already, guys. Net neutrality is just a buzzword. And they got me so upset I'm making sports analogies now. When have you heard that before? I'm messing around, but really, you just got to be careful not to get too caught up in news stories and the increasingly effective attention suck that all these little campaigns are. Control just what you can control. Improve the space around you, improve your body, and limit your exposure to basically everything Alana brought up today. Just say no, kids. Really, though, Alana was a great guest. I had a hell of a time listening to her. I'm really psyched for that Space Fence book. I think a lot of this stuff fit right in with the last episode about natural health with Clive DeCarl. Two great shows in a row. Also, Michael Joseph was a great show. Janice Barcello, for the more extreme listeners out there. And then Wolfgang Halbig. I think that was pretty rock-solid stuff, too. So if you're just listening to the first free hour, please, you know, do us both a favor and sign up for THC+. I just did a survey for the Plus experience and received almost no real complaints outside of elements with the fan-made THC app for iPhone, which I got no control over. It was fan-made, and it still works for 90% of people out there. If you just so happen to be curious, though, for iPhone, the overwhelming winners were the Higher Side app and Downcast. A lot of people love that, Downcast. And then for Android, it was all about Podcast Addict and Beyond Pod. Those are the best and easiest methods of getting the premium feed working. And I just figured I'd let you know if you didn't already. And like I said, I can't do much to adjust the HireSide app for iOS right now, but I am super thankful we have it. Super glad that dude made it. Respectfully, I believe he still wants to remain anonymous because of the crazy association. I get it, but thanks, man. And, you know, fan-made app aside, all I'm really saying here is that when it comes to the HireSide Plus infrastructure, I'm very, very proud of what I've been able to build especially not being much of a web guy. And $5 for five two-hour shows is one of the best deals in the game. And I put a lot of attention into making the show as good as I can for you. 
The only complaint I hear is that there aren't more, but you know, five a month, you got other things to do. You want to listen to me for more than 10 hours a month? No, you don't. But if I'm talking to, you know, the great vast majority that only listen to the free show, guys, you're only hearing half of it. And as wild and interesting and entertaining and educational as you might think THC is, the vast majority of you guys are leaving half of it on the table over a pretty modest ask on my part. But regardless, everyone is pushing a plus model of some kind these days. I know every show you're listening to, you're hearing it. I'm no different, I guess. But I like to think that I put a lot of attention into that transaction. I give you as much as I can for either free or $5, which I think is almost free. So come on, enter in that gentleman's agreement. But in this show, after the super informative first hour, I got to squeeze a few more questions into that second hour, which mainly revolved around the idea of non-human entities steering this overall agenda. And then what I referred to as my fire and ice questions, a couple about the recent fires in Santa Rosa and why they seemed like directed energy weapons as opposed to the usual natural fires we have out here. And then on the ice side, what role Antarctica and the polar regions in general play in a space fence program, seeing as how the poles are supposedly key points when you're working with the Earth's magnetic field and atmosphere. So it's a great second hour. Please hop on the plus train. If you're concerned with how you listen, I got a great frequently asked questions help page on the HiresideChatsPlus.com that you can go and read through before you even decide. Or just email me and I'll help you out. But either way, thanks for listening and at least sharing the show where you can, maybe helping to tell people about it, perhaps. I really think the internet screws are tightening on people like me. That's why I'm spending a little more time on this part of the show lately. I'm not feeling the pressure myself, but I'm watching a lot of people get picked at. And so I want to get as far ahead of it as I can, while I can. And I hope you get that. And I hope it moves you to help me out. And I hope that my long history of laissez-faire plugs for the premium show are an indication to you that I'm not just bullshitting. You can also support the show with a t-shirt purchase at thehiresideclothing.com. Lots of phenomenal designs that are based on Higher Side Chats episodes. I think they're so cool. And I didn't do the artwork, so I can say that, but I am really in love with them. And I don't talk about them nearly enough because... I'm not the best self-promoter. I just try to do a good job and let that do the promotion part because it's lame. But thehiresideclothing.com, great t-shirts. If people ask you what you want for Christmas and you don't know what to tell your friends and family, tell them you want a higher side shirt. We all win. Either way, I, I get it. We all have our struggles, guys. All we can do is hang on. I got the best job in the world and I love you. Hope you're all still able to put up with me. It's been a solid month for us, I think. We're also going to close out the show today with another new Lauren Silva, Greg Carlwood collaboration parody cover song. We did Bieber last episode. And I get really excited about dropping these tracks, guys. I gotta say, if I had a side gig as the Weird Al of Conspiracy, I would not hate that. But unfortunately, I have no musical inclination outside of rewriting lyrics. Anyway, two options. Let's go with Imagine Dragons because Thunder is such a hot song right now 
And today's show definitely made me feel like living in a bunker, which is the twist. So imagine dragons it is. And that's it for today. I got a lot of interesting stuff coming, but for now, I'm out of here. I've done my part. Your move, Arconic Architects and Engineers of the evil Erector set we call the Space Fence Control Grid. Your fucking move. I won't take it. No, I refuse. If it's all right, I'll keep my refuge. I've been scheming of bigger things and have to leave my old life behind. Gotta transfer to the inner earth. I built a box, built a home. Got a neat elevator going under. And now you'll find me in the bunker. Bunker, bunker, take it under. You find me in the bunker.